I'm in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number one, and I'm going to be reading from the 18th verse. And yes, we're going to go deep, and then we'll lighten up at the end, and then I want all of you that can to take your mothers out and uh, bless your mom today, all right? Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all the people said amen. amen. So I'm going to speak into our collective consciousness and into our prophetic destinies from the subject, the birth of a movement. The birth of a movement. Hallelujah. Some of you know that the last time I stood behind this sacred desk, I spoke upon the moves and the movements of God. And we're going to take that series to its next logical level. Would you pray with me? Invite the Holy Spirit to do what he does. Sweet Holy Spirit of God, we need you now more than ever. We're hungry for you. We're desperate for you. As the deer pants for the water brook, our soul is panting after the living God. So speak to us, empower us, transform us, elevate our understanding, help us to see more clearly than ever before, and do in us what only you can do. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we have prayed, and all the people said amen. 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 So in the last episode, which really was the first installment of this series, I spoke about the fact that we first see God moving, moving in the Genesis, even before he begins the process of creating uh, the, the earth, all right? And the Bible says, even before he spoke, that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And so we are introduced to a moving God. Amen. We, we, we serve a moving God. And it's hard to understand the move of God if you, if you do not recognize the difference between his omnipresence and his manifest presence. His omnipresence means that he is everywhere at the same time, therefore doesn't need to move anywhere at all. But what moves is his manifest presence. Because though God is present everywhere, that presence isn't evident or manifest. When God's presence is manifest, then you have movement because his manifest presence moves. And so what we find is that people who follow God, people who follow God, are going somewhere. B 
because you don't need to follow anyone that's going nowhere. So take up your cross and follow me means that we're going to be moving. And movement is difficult for people who are comfortable where they are. Because it requires letting go of where you are to get to where you're going. And so I spoke really about flexibility last time. Feels like last week, but it was last time. I spoke really about flexibility, about, about the need to not get stuck in a moment. And I want to take that to another level today, with your permission or without it. I want to take it to another level today. And I want to say it is important for you to distinguish or to differentiate between a moment, a movement, and a monument. Woo! Preach Bishop. A moment, a movement, and a monument. And it's important you don't get them confused. Because if you get them confused, you will turn your moments into monuments. And monuments kill movements. That's right. It's good. If you get them confused... You turn your, you build a monument to your moment and kill your movement. So I don't want to kill my movement by venerating instead of celebrating my moment. So what is your moment? Well... Your moment is your miracle, your breakthrough, your blessing. Hmm? Anyone ever had a breakthrough? Anyone ever had a blessing? Anyone ever had a victory? Yeah, you had a moment. That's what you had, a moment. And how many of you have already realized that you can't live off your moment? <laughs> no matter how big the breakthrough yesterday, you're going to need something else today. Mm. Your moment must not become a substitute for your movement. A monument exists to commemorate the death of something. I mean, in this city, there are tens of thousands of monuments. Did you know that? Statues, like we just walk past them. Unless there's some big thing about who's the statue, shall we pull it down? The whole time we've been here, the statues have been here, the monuments have been here, 
but there is not one monument existing to a living person. They all dead. And so monuments mark the death of something. Is that making sense? And God knows that we have a tendency to convert moments into monuments. Let me give you an example. The Mount of Transfiguration was a moment in the lives of the disciples in which Jesus unveiled his glory and appeared with Elijah and Moses. And here's what the disciples said. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Let's build three tabernacles. Let's build three tabernacles so we can monumentalize this moment. And what would have happened if they built three tabernacles? Those three tabernacles would literally be Christian shrines today. Hotels would have been built around them. And all kind of tour packages starting at 997 going up to 2,997 pounds for the full package to go see one of the shrines that was built Mm-hmm. Jesus effectively said, no, it's not time to build a monument because I'm here to birth a movement. Because monuments typically ensure the death of a movement. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to say a little bit more about it, but let me just give another example. Do you know that the most dangerous chapter in a church's story, the most dangerous chapter in a church's story is the purchasing and renovation of a building? Almost every church, this is deep, stops with its building. What? <laughs> yeah. Now, that's unless the visionary already has it in their mind, this building is temporary. We're going to fill it up and build another one. Or we're going to fill it up and, and build it out. But for most people, the effort... The energy, the sacrifice needed to get there means that when you do get there, you take this deep breath and you say, Whew, we did it, we've arrived. Now you may fill the building up, but it will be that way for the rest of your natural life. Because it is at that point that the movement died. Help me now. It's true. It's the most dangerous chapter in a church's history. You get a building. You love it. You're in it. And it all stops. The energy stops. The hunger goes. The purpose gets lost. Mm. And this is why... The devil fought with Michael, the archangel, over the body of Moses. Did you know that? Let me just break that down for you. Moses died alone. And he died because God took him. And when God took him, God buried him. What? God, yet God buried Moses. 
And God did not put a cross, a stake, a name plaque, and nothing ensuring that no one could find him. Because you know they sent out a search party. Do you know that when Joshua said, Moses, my servant is dead, or that, that's how the book of Joshua opens up. That's God revealing to Joshua that Moses is dead. There's no evidence that he's dead. You don't have a body. God says, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now arise and go. Hold on a second. <laughs> Joshua now has to tell the people, Moses ain't coming back. They've now got to believe Joshua. But they're not going to believe him without evidence, so they send out a search party. They send out a search party, and after days of searching, they cannot find Moses, and they finally accept Moses is dead, Joshua is the new leader. Help me now. But according to Jude in the New Testament, the devil had a fight with Michael the archangel over the dead body of Moses. What, why would the devil want a dead body? Very simply. He knew that he could use it to stop the movement of the children of Israel. Because had he found the body, they would have built a shrine exactly where Moses died. That shrine would have become the most holy place for them. And they would not want to get too far away from that shrine. A sect, a cult, uh, a denomination would have risen up that we're not going to go forward any further. We're going to stay right here because this is a holy place. So the devil wanted the remains of a former move of God to offer it as a substitute for the next move of God. Now I'm, I'm going somewhere today because I, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you that the next move of God in your life has no greater enemy. Than the last move of God in your life. I think no, the next move of God in my life has an enemy in terms of people resisting me, in terms of people opposing me, in terms of, uh, you know, my willpower. That's what's blocking my neck. No, no, the next move of God in your life has no greater enemy than the last move of God in your life. And the devil wanted the remains of the last move of God. So he could use it to oppose the next move of God. I mean, the Egypt in which Israel flourished, who brought them there? God. Who told them get up and get out? God. Because see, God is a moving God. And when you're moving with God, you don't build a house, you pitch a tent. You pitch a tent because, praise God, the tent, <laughs> the tent is a mobile home. Someone leaning on the lights, it's all right. Maybe it's a move of God. God is moving in here. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm going to give two examples. This is all context, by the way. I'll give two examples because I don't have you yet. Do you know that? I'm, I'm a speaker. I've been speaking for years. I know when I have you, I don't have you. Half your mind is somewhere else. And I'm going I'm to do this till I get all of your mind. That's right. You're going to come in the room one way or another. <laughs> the next move of God in your life has no greater enemy than the last move of God in your life. Let me prove it as follows. The New Testament church, the New Testament church had no greater enemy than the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, and those who held fast to the traditions of Moses and the law. The law came by Moses, grace and truth by Jesus Christ. Both came from God at different times for different seasons. Things have seasons and times have purposes. And if something came from God for your yesterday, it belongs in your And if you try drag it into your today, it becomes an enemy to your tomorrow. So who was fighting the New Testament church? People like Saul of Tarsus who found their, their beliefs, their practices an abomination and he fought them. That's one example. Let me give you another example, shall I? In the wilderness, God fed the children of Israel daily with a fresh supply of manna from heaven, right? Every day. So every day they had a moment. This is my moment. I'm picking up the manna. It's tasty. It's beautiful. I love it. And a couple of guys, their names are recorded. They're called Smart Alec. Couple of guys, couple of smart Alex decided we're gonna pick up two day supply and store it so that while the other fools are out there picking up tomorrow, <laughs> we'll just take the lid off and eat. Smart Alex. You know what happened? They picked up two day supply. The next day, God sent a fresh supply. They said, We don't need to do that. They pulled off the lid and. <laughs> Oh, did you smell that? Oh. Look inside it, worms, it went off. Because what God gave you yesterday was for yesterday. And if you don't realize that what God gave you yesterday was for yesterday, you're going to be blind to what God is giving you today. Wish I had some help in here today. I don't want to miss what God's giving me today. I don't want to be so obsessed with what happened yesterday that, I, that I'm blind to what God is doing today. And that's why you must differentiate between your moment and your movement. Because if your moment becomes your movement or is your movement, you're, you are never going to let it go. See, if you're holding something in your hand, I can't give you anything new. You're going to have to open your hand. You have to make room for what's next. I wish I had some help in here. You have to make room for what is next. 
And some folks, literally, the reason you're spiritually dying is because the last, because you're still hanging on to a breakthrough that happened 10 years ago, a miracle that happened 10 years ago, a victory that happened 15 years ago, an answer you got 20 years ago, and that's what you're hanging on to. What God says, God says, I'm a moving God, and I need you to let it go. I need you to celebrate celebrate it but not to venerate it i don't want you to worship what i did i want you to thank me for what i did come on somebody i'm going somewhere with this see see i do not worship the things of god i worship the god of the thing i don't worship my victories i worship the god who gave me the victory I don't worship my blessings. I worship the God who blessed me. I don't worship my breakthroughs. I worship the God who broke me through. Because if I worship my blessings, come on somebody, if I worship my blessings, I've made that blessing my source. But if I worship God, then I've made God my source. And that means the God who blessed me yesterday, he can bless me again today. And he'll bless me again tomorrow. The God who gave me victory yesterday, he'll give me victory today. And he'll give me another victory tomorrow. I'm never going to run out of testimonies. I'm never going to run out of victories. I'm never going to run out of blessings. Because it is God who gave them to me. And since he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, whatever he done in my past, I don't need to hoard it. I don't need to cling to it. I can let it go because something new is coming in my future. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Yeah, I see see I want what God has for me now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, how many of you want what God has for you now? Actually, how many of you need something from God now? How many of you are tired of the old testament and need a new one? <laughs> I wish I had some help in here today. How many are tired of the old testament? I need a new one. I need a new, I need a new testimony. I've been, I've been preaching the same old testimony for 10 years. I need a new one today. I need God to do something in my now. And because it's God that is my source, I can expect him to show up for me today and tomorrow and to keep on showing up. But what you cannot do is idolize and crystallize a moment and make it your source. The Bible teaches that when King Hezekiah became the king, first thing he did was go into the temple and he took the brass serpent that Moses made and he smashed it into pieces and he got rid of it. And he said, it is Nehushtan. That was the word he used. Do you know what Nehushtan means? He said, it's a piece of brass. So I need to tell you the story of how this piece of brass ended up in the temple being worshipped. Here's what happened. Moses and the children of Israel going through the wilderness. They murmur against God. 
and snakes come out and bite them all. They're all dying of snake bites. They cry to Moses. Moses, God says, Moses, make a serpent of brass. Put it on a pole, lift it up. Whoever sees it, whoever looks on it will live. Woo. So Moses makes it. He's making a representation of the thing that's killing them. He, he lifts it up. People look. And they're healed. Takes it through the camp. Oh, little, little, little kids were bitten. Parents would just turn their head. Look, son, can you see that snake? Yeah. Ah, oh, I'm better. Oh, my God, what a move of God. What a powerful move of God. How powerful was that? Healing after healing after healing. Testimony after testimony. So you know what they did? i tell you what they did. When that episode finished and they moved on to the next episode, they said, you know what? We need to keep the snake. Snake's powerful, man. We need to keep the snake. So Moses lives, Moses dies, but we still got the snake. Yeah, Joshua becomes the leader, takes them into the promised land. Yeah, but we still got the snake. Joshua takes Jericho, he takes Ai, he takes the, the land of promise. The children of Israel are resettled in the land. And we still got the snake. We got the Ark of the Covenant. And we got the snake. King David, King Saul becomes king. King David becomes king. Solomon becomes king. Solomon's sons split the kingdom. The kingdoms, all this, this whole thing's going. The whole time we've got the ark and we've got the snake. Uh, when was the last time someone was healed by looking at the snake? <sighs> Let's figure this out now. Many, many years ago. So why have you still got the snake? You still got the snake because you think the snake healed the people. God healed the people. And they had begun worshipping the snake. And Hezekiah said, I'm gonna first thing I'm going to do is destroy it. He said, before we can rid the land of idolatry, let's first rid the church of its own idolatry. But before we're going to change the country, let's change the worshipers and let's get into their idolatries and let's crush the snake. He crushed it. He said, it is Nehushtan. Means it's a piece of brass. It's a piece of brass. I want you to know something. If you were ever healed, ever healed as a result of me laying hands on you, I beg you don't worship my hand. I beg you don't do it. <laughs> okay? If you were ever healed because I preached to you, I beg you don't worship me. I'm an instrument. Do you understand what that is? An instrument. When an artist does a work of art with a paintbrush, we give glory to the artist. We don't give glory to the paintbrush. Come on now. When a carpenter makes something, you give glory to the carpenter, not to the hammer, not to the saw, not to the chisel. God will use many people in many ways and many things to do wonders in your life. In the end, you say, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. But to God be the glory for great things he has done. Give God the glory for it. Otherwise, you get stuck and you stop moving. 
Look around the city of London. I'm almost done with my introduction. Look around the city of London. You know what you're going to find? Monuments to great movements that died. What? Yeah, so let me tell you about it. Let me tell you that the Salvation Army was once the most dynamic evangelical force in the world. Yeah. Going into the worst places, preaching the gospel, praying for people, leading them to Christ. Dynamic. That was under William Booth. But then William Booth is off the scene. And there's new leadership who don't embrace the values, the vision, the vehicles, the mission, the method. And over the course of time, it gets reformed to let's just be an organization of social action. Let's just help the unfortunate and this gospel side of it. We'll leave that to the others. Do you know that the denomination who has put more buildings up for sale in this country than virtually any other Christian denomination is the Methodist Church? Did you know the Methodist Church was, was actually started by people on fire for God? Whatever you, you look at, you're actually looking at monuments to great movements that started off as very powerful movements. And then something happened... And what happened was the idolatry of a moment, the idolatry of the day, worshiping the day, worshiping the instrument, worshiping the moment instead of moving with God. It, it guarantees the death of the movement when you convert it into your monument. So I, I'm here to announce to you that I have no intention of dying in the moment. I do not subscribe to the theory that my best days are behind me. Good night with that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for you. I'm, I'm coming for you today. Oh, yeah. I meet people like, oh, Bishop, don't you remember the good old days? Oh, my God, are y'all going to do this again? I have people all the time, Bishop, when are you going to do war conference again? When are you going to do this again? When are you going to do that again? And here's what they're doing. Their assumption is that the best days of my ministry are in their past. But I stood by, I stopped by to tell this house that I do not subscribe to that theory. My conviction is that the greatest days of my ministry are ahead of me. They have not yet been seen. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. It hasn't even entered into your mind what God's about to do. And if you, if you can hear this preacher, you ought to feel the same way about your own life and say, my best days are in front of me. I'm not going to worship my past. Oh, no. I thank God for the past, but I'm not going to get stuck in it. Because you get stuck in it, you start pining for it. You start pining for it, you're looking backwards. Now you're looking back, you're not looking forward. Now you're looking back, you're looking for the body of Moses. That's what you're doing. You're a search party out in the wilderness looking for the remains of what used to be. Let me tell you something. It's dead for a reason, and it's hidden for a reason, and it's not coming back. You need to open your 
eyes to what's in front of you instead of pining for what you lost. I see businesses doing this in the pandemic. I wish I had some help now. Businesses are like, oh my gosh, how soon can we get back to how things used to be? Am I telling the truth? First lady entrepreneur? Yeah, all right. Watch this. They're pining for the past. They, they, because it worked in the past. It was comfortable in the past. It was nice in the past. So they're looking back for what they had. And now they've come through the pandemic. Not understanding the pandemic was a reset button by God. It was designed to break up some things. To break down some things. It was designed to mess up some stuff. So that it would position us with a hunger for something new. And these people never had a hunger for new. Because they were comfortable in the old. Now their business is dying and they're busy blaming the government, the economy, the war. But while you're busy blaming, there are plenty of businesses out here who have had their best year ever. There are plenty of businesses out here who are growing exponentially. Why? Because they're not looking back, they're looking forward. Take me back. This is the anthem of the people who will die in the wilderness. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first believed you. If you go back to the place where you first believed, that's like an adult wishing they was a baby again. Because when you first believed you was a baby... You didn't know anything. You, didn't, you, 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 you were dependent entirely on other people. No, I don't want to go back there. Come on, somebody. I don't want to go back there. I, I want to go forward. Why? Because I am convinced. I am persuaded. I am assured that the best days of my life are in front of me. They are not behind me. I am not going to spend my days looking back in search of something that died I want to go forward somebody shout forward march I'm almost I'm almost there I'm almost there I'm only screaming because I'm still waiting for some of you to come in the room hey she's in the room Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, she's in the room. Oh, Lord. Watch this now. I want to move with God. I got to move with God. Because my life is linked to not what God said. My life is linked to what he is now saying. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth 
out of the mouth of God. In other words, the continuous word. So if I'm going to live, I must have an ear to hear what the spirit is right now saying to me. Because what the spirit is right now saying may not be what he said yesterday. Oh, I wish I had some help. Because what he said yesterday was for yesterday. Now I'm going to show this to you very quickly because Abraham uh, believed God for 25 years to have a son. And when the son was born and the son came of age where they could have a good relationship, God said, Abraham, sacrifice your son. What? What? Pardon? Now that's all we would have heard is <laughs> the devil. I take a thought. Imposter. The devil is an imposter. The devil is a liar. I take authority of every dark spirit. You know, you'd, you'd come to the pastor, you'd come to the bishop and say, Bishop, I need some counseling because I'm having demonic voices speaking to me. Got you. But God said, sacrifice your son. You know what Abraham said? Abraham said, yes, sir. Now, the reason he said, yes, sir, is because he knew that his body and Sarah's body was not the source of the son. See, see, he wasn't thinking, okay, it's too late for me to have kids now and I, I, there's no way I can give this up. No, because it was already too late. It was always too late. It was always impossible for him to have a son. When he had a son, he knew God was the source. So in his mind, he said, God will either raise him from the dead or God will give me a new son, but God is my source. So Abraham said, yes, I will. And if you check the chronology, Isaac was of age. So Abraham didn't lie to Isaac. He said, Isaac, we're going to go and worship. That's what we're going to do. We're going to worship. And I'm sure Isaac would have looked and said, that's cool. Why all the knives? Because we're going to worship. That's <laughs> what we're going to do. He said, well, I see everything. Dad, I see the knives, I see the wood, I see the, I see the everything, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Oh, I wish I had some help in here. Because that was prophetic. The prophetic was not that God will provide for himself a sacrifice, but God will provide himself a sacrifice. And this was a prophetic word. But it just showed that Abraham was believing God. So the whole time, he now puts Isaac on the altar and he ties Isaac up and he says, Isaac, you're going to have to trust God like I'm going to have to trust God. And Abraham picks up the knife and with the knife in the air, which means he has decided to do it, God spoke a second time. Stop! Do the lad no harm. It was a test. Hold on a second. Thank God for a man who while he's doing what God said is still listening for what God is saying. Because if Abraham would have failed to hear the second voice, he would have killed his own promise, his own prophecy, his own posterity, his own future. He would have killed it himself doing exactly what God told him to do. Yesterday. Yes. 
So whatever God told you to do yesterday, you better go ahead and do it with one ear looking up to heaven to see if that's still the instruction for today. Because your life is linked not to what God said, but he that hath an ear to hear what the Spirit is now saying. You have to be a present believer, not a past. Come on now. But someone who is working with God in your present. God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying now? What are you saying today? And so, I, 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 that was all the context. I might as well preach a message. I never preach a long message. It's the introduction that takes all the time. So now I'm going to preach the message. Because you see, movements are not made. No. Movements are born. Ooh. Yeah. Movements are born born they are not made and see God has always wanted a movement he has never wanted a monument when he said Abraham I'm going to bless you he didn't just stop there because that would have been a monument he said I'm going to bless you I'm going to make your name great I'm going to make you a blessing and in your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed in other words Abraham what I'm starting in you is going to be global it's going to go global it's going to touch every family of the earth and whatever I'm doing in you I'm doing for a bigger picture because I am the God of movement I am not the God of stagnation and of statues I am the God of movement and once you start idolizing a moment you've built a statue it's an idol and that's idolatry even if it's something I used don't worship it movements are born and that means that someone Someone is going to need to get pregnant. I wish I had some help in here. If a movement's going to be born, someone's going to need to get pregnant. Woo! Calm down. Here's what it means. Now, I understand might need to block some ears. I understand why some of you don't understand what I'm saying. Because you've practiced safe worship so long. You've learned how to enjoy the presence of God without assuming responsibility for what God is really trying to plant in your imagination. Because your worship is very safe. You've never really let go. You never really let go. You never really let, let go and let God. You're interested in looking cute. And, and, and you, you, come on now. You, you're in, even your da- you've practiced your dance several times in the mirror before you came to church. Because you're practicing safe worship. That's a whole nother session. But the minute you stop practicing safe worship and you get intimate with God in your worship, in your praise, in your prayer, you're going to come out of that experience with an idea that has been planted in you by the Holy Ghost. 
it's not an idea you can forget because it starts growing inside of you. And every time that you're in the presence of God, you're reminded of the idea that he put on the inside of you. It starts growing until it starts showing. I wish I had some help in here today. Because some folks who say they got a vision are as slim as you have always been. You don't have no vision. <laughs> because once it's growing, it starts showing. And that means that you can't even pretend that you are not carrying a possibility, a prophecy, a purpose. You can't even hide it. The minute you get around somebody, they notice it. The minute you open your mouth, people can hear it. Your friend circles start to change. I wish I had some help in here. Your very friend circles start changing. Because now you're attracted to other pregnant people. Because we understand each other. Because we can communicate a little bit better. And all of these unpregnant people don't get what I'm feeling. They don't get what I'm going through. But you get it because you're pregnant too. I'm Mary. You're Elizabeth. You get it. I got Jesus. You got John the Baptist. We got something in common. I don't like hanging around with folk who have no vision, no purpose, no dream, no destiny, no future in your mind. Because you don't understand me. You can't understand me. We don't really get on. You used to understand me, but you don't now because you're not pregnant with a purpose. Movements are born. Somebody gets an idea that won't go away. It just keeps growing until it starts showing. Now you're expecting. So your very spending habits begin to change. What you're buying now, you're buying for something that's coming in the future. You are buying stuff and you are searching for stuff to, to handle something that nobody else has even seen. But that you know is there. You start buying books. Come on somebody. You start buying courses. Come on somebody. You start attending classes. Come on somebody. You, because you are what? Expecting. I'm almost there. It gets to the point where you are bent out of shape. I'm sorry for anyone that's carrying. But I'm going to tell you there comes a point where your nose is going to spread. Your lip, your lips is going to get big. Whatever dresses you have, you cannot wear them for now. Whatever you had accumulated in your wardrobe, leave it there for a possible later day. And you get heavy. You get heavy. 
Is there anybody here who's carried a vision that's so real to you that it's bent you out of shape and now you are heavy? See, God wants people who can carry to term what he puts in your spirit, even if it bends you out of shape and that beautiful walk you used to do has turned into a waddle because you are heavy, you are carrying, you are expecting. And let me tell you, that's, that's movements. Movements are born. Everyone say born. One more time, say born. born. Yeah, you did it. You said it. You never shouted it. My bad. I never said shout it. I said say it. Congratulations. You said it. Born. Do you know what that means? It means for that movement to come into existence, some things have to break down. Oh, Lord. Some things got to break up. Oh, Lord. Some things got to collapse. Mm -hmm. And something got to get cut. And the reason why our moments don't become movements is number one, we do not carry to term what God put in our spirit. They're right? And, and start looking for all kinds of ways to abort what God put in your spirit. But if you carry it to term, there will come a day when there are some networks around you that God will have to break up. And there are some relationships around you that are going to have to break down. And there are some folk you're just going to have to cut off. I wish I had some help in here today. Don't ask me. Ask anyone who ever took their life to a new level. How much of your past were you able to bring with you? You, you start to climb because your aspiration now is just, it, you're heavy with it and you start climbing. Count how many of your friends are actually coming with you. Oh, don't just ask me, ask, them, ask anyone you've ever met that made the shift from average mediocrity to excellence to prosperity. How many people were you able to bring with you on that journey? They're going to tell you about the networks that collapsed, the relationships that broke down. The, the, the environments that, that exploded and the things they had to cut off because that's how movements are born. And in its early stage, it is so vulnerable and it so needs a mother because it's not born. It's born perfect, but it's not born complete or finished. A perfect baby is just that, a perfect baby. Isn't that right? But it can't do nothing for itself. So if you're looking for perfection, to, this is why some people will never birth your movement. You'll never birth your movement. You know why? Because you're waiting for perfection. You're trying to birth something that's complete. Trust me, if it's complete, you're dead in that process of birth. You're dead. Now, it needs a mother. And I'm going to close with this. In the Bible, there are two mothers. Two mothers who stood before King Solomon. 
one baby. Both mothers claim this is their baby. Truth is, both mothers did have a baby. But one of the babies died. The Bible tells us how the baby died. It said the mother rolled over on the baby and suffocated the baby. Which means they both had the same opportunity. One slept on their opportunity. The other slept with their opportunity. Some folks, you have an opportunity, you're sleeping on it. Mm -hmm. One mothered the opportunity, the other smothered the opportunity. And Solomon was none the wiser. You know why? Can I tell you something really funny about this? Both the women were prostitutes. It says it in the Bible. So Solomon couldn't look at, oh, who's, oh, that's right. You're the one that goes to church and you're the one that's out in the streets, so I'm going to pick you. No, there was no obvious moral distinction between the women. So Solomon said in his wisdom, I'm going to find out who the mother is. Bring me a sword. I will cut the baby in two. You take half and you take half. Problem solved. But the real mother, he knew that the real mother said, I'd rather you kill me. I'd rather die for my child. I would rather the pain of watching someone else raise this child than for you to end his life. And when she said no, the one mother said, yeah, sounds very fair to me. (laughs) Sound like a deal. I take half, you take half. (laughs) Solomon's watching this. You cannot be the mother of this child. Once you're ready to split things into pieces, you're ready to rip things up to save your own egotistical need. You're ready to tear up the baby so you look good. You're not the mother. You're fake. You're fake news. The real mother. So guess what? God is birthing movements in our day. Your business is not meant to be a shop in the corner. of It's meant to be a movement. What? Hey, your family. I know you got this vision. Yeah, so we're going to have this lovely nuclear family. It's going to be 2.3 children. And it's going to be this. And it's going to be that. And this is how we're going to be. Movement. 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 This church, I close with this. This church, uh, has a problem. Do you know what the problem is? Do you know the biggest problem this church has? Can I be honest with you? You sure? Okay. 
biggest problem this church has is that your bishop is pregnant with a purpose, with a promise. It's growing, it's showing, I feel heavy. I can't enjoy the things I used to enjoy. I'm heavy. Same old, same old doesn't do it for me. I'm heavy. I don't even like talking to folk who are not heavy. And there'll come a day when I either get out of me what's in me or what's in me will kill me. That's the biggest problem we have. I'm not the same guy. I'm carrying. So what are we going to do about that? You know what we're going to do about that as a church? You're going to organize a big old baby shower. <laughs> and say, Bishop, we'll be there for you when you give birth to what you're carrying in your soul. Thank you. Let's all rise to our feet. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So to all the mothers in the building, I hope I've demonstrated at least a little understanding of what it might take to bring something into the world, someone into the world. The reality is all movements are born. They're not made. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want to pray that God plant an idea in your heart and in your life that will never leave you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray that in this season, we will allow you to plant in the womb of our imagination a God idea, a purpose, a destiny, a dream, a vision, a goal. Father, we, we're calling off the search for the dead body of Moses. We're calling off the search party. We're not looking for the past. We're looking for the future. And we are praying, Lord, that you raise up a breed of believers who are more excited about what's next than they are about what's now. God, it is our prayer that you use us to bring into this world, to materialize your intentions, your desire. Use us. Use us. And may we become mothers of movements, fathers of tribes, taking territory and bringing the glory back to God. Let this house, this church, transition from the stagnation of locality into the magnetism of a movement. <laughs>
that touches every corner of the city and of the nation and of the world. This is our prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and give God a great praise offering today. Hallelujah.